0: Welcome to Holy Smoke, the Spectator's religion podcast. I'm Damien Thompson. On the 18th of December, just as Catholic priests throughout the world were preparing for the great feast of Christmas, the Vatican dropped a theological and pastoral bomb on them in a document written by Pope Francis' new doctrinal chief, his Argentinian protégé, Cardinal Victor Manuel Fernández. Entitled, Fiducia Supplicans, it announced that, henceforth, a new type of blessing would be available for same-sex couples and couples in other sorts of irregular relationships, such as unmarried parents. Cardinal Fernandez, whose nickname is Tuccio, has been Francis' unofficial personal theologian throughout this pontificate. But since last year, he's occupied the very grand office of prefect of the Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith a role that arguably the greatest Catholic theologian of the 20th century, Joseph Ratzinger, performed for Pope John Paul II. But Tucha Fernández is not, and would not pretend to be, Ratzinger's intellectual equal. He's a maverick who's been dogged by controversy ever since it was revealed that, as a young priest, he wrote an extremely embarrassing book on the theology of kissing. When that was revealed, he said, Oh, I've written much worse than that. And boy, he wasn't kidding. Last week, it was revealed that in 1998, Fernandez published a book on the theology of orgasms under his own name, which, let me warn you, I will be quoting from later. And I do need to warn you because its content is very explicit and I do need to quote from it, little bits anyway, because it's really blown up in his face and has antagonised powerful cardinals who are now openly manoeuvring and repositioning themselves for the next conclave. But let's go back to December the 18th, because the document that the Vatican published that day, written by Fernandes and signed by Francis, has created a degree of disunity in the Catholic Church that's unprecedented in my lifetime. You might argue that the liturgical changes of the Second Vatican Council created deeper unhappiness among ordinary Catholics in the pew And that's probably true, but at no stage did it seem as if the Catholic Church in the 1960s, still very strong, was going to fall apart as a result of the council. Now, to put it very bluntly, it is beginning to look as if the Catholic Church is falling apart at the seams. And the blame for that, let's be very clear, lies with Francis, and now especially his beloved protégé Tuccio, who between them have done the one thing that no pontificate can get away with, even in the 21st century. They've touched the third rail of homosexuality, a subject so incendiary and so divisive that no major religion or Christian denomination has been able to reach an accommodation on the topic with its traditional believers and with rapidly changing secular opinion. Cardinal Fernandez seems to have thought that he'd found a way to reorientate the Catholic Church on this subject without challenging its traditional teaching that all sexual relationships should take place within marriage. And he's now discovering the hard way that actually he's done no such thing. In fact, he's done the opposite. And it's by no means clear that he can survive in his job. The Pope now faces the humiliation of an entire continent of bishops, that is, all the churches of Africa, telling him that they have no intention of offering these new blessings to gay couples. And Francis' response, I imagine through gritted teeth, is to say, oh, actually, he's OK with that because, though he doesn't say it, even though he's Pope, he's really not being offered any choice in the matter. Let me quickly run through the extraordinary sequence of events that began on December the 18th. If you go onto the Vatican website to read the decree Fiducia supplicans, the first thing that strikes you is the sheer hubris of it. Now we're told that this new declaration upholds the church's teaching on marriage and is compatible with a 2021 DDF ruling issued by Fernandez's predecessor, Cardinal Laudaria, ruling out the formal blessing of gay couples. And that ruling was approved by Francis. And Tucher's way round it, also he imagines, is really quite breathtaking in its audacity and schoolboy incompetence he's invented a new type of blessing, unknown to canon law or to Catholic tradition. Quotes, a broadening and enrichment of the classical understanding of blessings, which allows for spontaneous non-liturgical blessings that can be given to gay couples, blessing them, but not the union, but at the same time not being too judgmental about the situation they're in. There are a few rules about what a priest can't do, offering these blessings. No vestments, no order of service, nothing that looks like a wedding, no recognition of a civil union. And there's also a lot of fancy theological language, derived almost exclusively from the theological writings of Pope Francis, one of the great self-quotas in the history of the Church, many of which were ghostwritten by Tucho anyway. Which may explain why one thing this new document isn't is theologically rigorous. For example, it doesn't even attempt to explain what it means by same-sex couples, and it's not clear to what extent priests are free to refuse this new brand of blessing to gay people or straight couples in irregular unions. It's a complete mess, in other words, and it's gone down really badly with priests of quite different traditions and opinions. And there are clues in the document that Fernandez knows it's a mess because it concludes that, the declaration is sufficient to guide the prudent and fatherly discernment of ordained ministers, and beyond the guidance provided above, no further responses should be expected about possible ways to regulate details or practicalities regarding blessings of this type. And here... Sutra sounds a bit like a shifty politician, having set out an incoherent policy document, announcing that he won't be taking questions from the press, which is a strategy that rarely works for politicians and it's not working for him. Because since it was published, Cardinal Fernandez has done nothing but clarify the document in interviews, also in a long-written clarification he's been forced into damage limitation because as soon as Fiducius Supplicans was published, the LGBT campaigner Father James Montin, a Jesuit priest, had himself photographed blessing a male civilly married couple. And at the same time, the bishops from the developing world said, basically, this is going to happen over our dead bodies. Cardinal Fernandez duly explained that these spontaneous blessings were blessings of couples rather than unions, but that distinction didn't do the trick. A distinction without a difference, according to many conservative Catholics, who reacted to this innovation with an extreme horror. In some cases, the rhetorical denunciations of sodomy could have been written by Westboro Baptist Church, and Catholic liberals had no difficulty portraying them as homophobic. And I was reminded yet again that American conservative Catholics exhibit a loathing of homosexuality, which is far more explicit than you generally find among British conservative Catholics who nonetheless uphold traditional marriage. But anyway, you have to remember that outrage among traditionalist and other conservative American Catholics isn't a problem for the Vatican, which can always rely on its little lobby of liberal journalists to paint the Pope's American critics as a bunch of sinister fanatics. And on this occasion, defenders of Cardinal Fernandez were able to draw, in addition, on the resources of a small number of rather vocal pope as they're called, that is, orthodox Catholics, who think Francis is also very orthodox, and who took advantage of the gigantic holes in fiducius replicants to argue that really nothing had changed and the Church hadn't moved any closer to approving gay relationships. Well, the problem for the Vatican and Francis' loyalists in the media and the rather desperate pope was that the entire continent of Africa and other socially conservative countries for example, in Eastern Europe, announced that they weren't going to implement the new policy because it was perfectly clear to them that the Pope's new doctrinal chief had introduced, in their opinion, a repugnant innovation of blessing gay couples, and there was absolutely no way they could sell this to their priests, even if they wanted to, which they didn't. And it's significant that Francis, confronted by opposition from all the bishops' conferences of Africa, basically rolled over and said, fine, you can ignore this. Meanwhile, liberal bishops in Europe have been saying, no, we're not going to ignore this, and indeed we're not going to allow priests to refuse to implement Tucho's guidelines. From the Pope's point of view, perhaps an equally ominous development, there's no consensus at all from middle-of-the-road bishops in America, or for that matter, England and Wales. No unanimous praise for this pastorally compassionate document. Which is extraordinary when you consider that until a few years ago, Francis only had to open his mouth for the English bishops to start talking about him as if he was the fourth person in the Holy Trinity. I always remember the way Cardinal Vincent Nichols used to say, Pope Francis, Pope Francis, Pope Francis, like a sort of invocation. Well, he's not doing it anymore. Let's go back to 2016 and the moment, I think, when these middle-of-the-road bishops, such as those in this country, first began to entertain doubts about Francis' judgment. That was when the Pope published his exhortation, Amoris Laetitia, after a synod. It means the joy of love, and it failed to provide an answer to the question of whether divorced and remarried Catholics were excluded from Holy Communion, but instead waffled in a manner that satisfied nobody. Conservatives were scandalized that Francis, in the end, got away with it. People stopped talking about it. I think the reason for that is that the average Catholic, even in Africa, doesn't regard marriage for divorced and remarried people as anything like as sensitive a topic as homosexuality. But Francis's critics noted that the actual author of Amoris Laetitia was this strange guy, Fernandez, And when the Pope took the extraordinary step of making this, some would say, severely underqualified bishop, the doctrinal watchdog of the entire Catholic Church... They prepared their ammunition for just such an eventuality as this latest controversy. And as we've just discovered, they had some serious ammunition. So here we go. This is a point at which you're going to have to press the stop button if you're easily shocked. In 1998, Victor Manuel Fernandez published a book called La Passion Mystica, Mystical Passion, Spirituality and Sensuality, which compares the experience of receiving God's love to having an orgasm, and went into what might be described, indeed has been widely described as pornographic detail on the subject of the different ways men and women experience orgasms. And here's a little summary that I'm taking from the Italian newspaper Il Giornale. The Argentine cardinal claims that a woman needs adequate conditions to feel excited. For this reason, according to Fernandez, violent sex and images of orgies are more attractive to men than to women. But, he says, that doesn't mean the woman feels less excited by hardcore pornography. Speaking like an expert, the then young theologian describes the differences between male and female orgasm. The man usually emits aggressive grunts. She, on the other hand, makes stutters or childish sighs. Cardinal then goes into further detail when he writes that. And this is the quote that's been doing the rounds. I'm sorry about it. Women have a rich venous plexus around the vagina, which maintains a good blood flow after orgasm. That's why it's usually insatiable. Gross, I know. But arguably, there's worse in another chapter, where Fernandez describes a 16-year-old girl's erotic experience of Christ, supposedly based on a conversation he personally had with a teenage girl. Now, let me say immediately, no one suggesting that Fernandez himself has engaged in inappropriate sexual behaviour. But it has been widely reported that soon after the publication of La Passio Mystica, copies of the book appeared to just disappear and have been extremely hard to find, even in libraries. Were they being deliberately removed? But one of the most conservative lobby groups in the church, the Lepanto Institute, did lay its hands on a copy, and on the 8th of January they pressed the nuclear button, handing its contents to sympathetic bloggers and reporters. And, unsurprisingly, all hell broke loose. Here's a headline from this week's Washington Examiner. U.S. Catholics Must Rally for the Removal of the Pope's Purvy Prefect. It's by Peter Laffin, a regular contributor to The Examiner and various respectable Catholic publications. And in it he accuses the prefect of the dicastery for the doctrine of the faith of writing second-rate smut, unimaginative, misogynistic, and downright creepy. Which did make me think, would he prefer first-rate imaginative smut? But <laughs> never mind... He quotes, and everybody has been quoting, a passage from the book in which, baffingly, Fernandez decided to quote a 15th century Islamic theologian who said, Praise be to Allah, who establishes penises as hard and straight as spears to wage war on vaginas. To quote the leading American Catholic philosopher Edward Fazer, I'm looking forward to the Catholic feminist take on that passage but actually there hasn't been a Catholic feminist take on it because one thing we know about Catholic feminists is that they're very good at turning a blind eye to scandalous material if the alternative might conceivably lend aid and comfort to their conservative enemies. But one of the most damning verdicts on the book scandal came from the conspicuously fair-minded Catholic news website The Pillar, which made the following point. The disturbing sexualization of spirituality found in Tucci's book is also a common theme among priests, and he's not one of them, nobody's suggesting it, but it's a common theme among priests who groom and manipulate young people under their pastoral care. Most Catholics, I think, have been pretty sickened by Cardinal Fernandez's weird erotic musings, which he has disowned, but too late. It's true that one or two Pope-splainers did try to argue that, as in the case of the Gay Blessings document, there was nothing to see here. The stuff about orgasms was no more shocking than Pope John Paul II's complex discussions of the theology of sexual relations in his writings. And quite rightly, these attempts to dismiss the shockingly grubby mystical passion as nothing to see here have been met with widespread derision. One thing most of us wanted to know, of course, was whether Pope Francis knew about this work of spiritual erotica when he appointed Fernandez to the DDF. Well, we didn't have to wait long for an answer. Fernandez himself said yes, the Pope had known. And that's led some commentators to suggest that, despite the gross offence it caused, Tucciot is safe in his powerful job because Francis famously sticks by his allies. He has, as I've mentioned so many times on this podcast, extended his protection to a horrible menagerie of accused or convicted sex abusers who happened to have been his allies. the most notorious example, of course, which I've talked about many times, is Father Marco Rupnik, the Jesuit Mosaic artist accused of trying to force young women religious sisters to take part in grotesque sexual parodies of Eucharistic ceremonies. And those allegations really are far too disgusting for me to describe. Rupnik, incredibly, is still a priest... Francis hasn't acted against him, a point not lost on some of Tucho's critics, who were suggesting that his mystical passion might appeal to the imagination of the sinister Rutnik. But, to repeat, shockingly, the Vatican hasn't prosecuted or laicised Rutnik yet. If Francis is prepared to risk his reputation by protecting that monster, the argument goes, then Cardinal Fernandes, who isn't a monster, has nothing to worry about. Well... Now it seems that someone close to Francis is suddenly keen to point out that Fernandez was not in fact his first choice to be the church's doctrinal chief, that he actually preferred a couple of other candidates but couldn't appoint them because theologically they were even more controversial than Tucho. Well, at least until the mystical passion was revealed, I think it's fair to say there's no one more controversial than Tucho at the moment. So we can't rule out the possibility that Pope Francis will, for once, throw his prodigy under the bus. On the other hand, we must remember that Fernandez is the author of several papal documents that seek to limit the Church's ability to condemn people living at variance with its traditional moral teachings. Those documents do so in a confusing and inconsistent manner, it's true. Look at who wrote them. But that's one of the hallmarks of Francis' pontificate. He calls it making a mess, which I think is his way of making a virtue out of his own intellectual laziness. At any rate, turning on Tucha could look like the Pope disowning his own legacy, such as it is. And the thing is, Francis can't take back what Fernandez has conceded. He can't say there was a provision for blessing gay couples and I gave it my papal approval, but suddenly there isn't any more because it didn't go down very well in Africa. So far as we can work out, The main point of this decree was to provide radical bishops in Germany and other countries with a watered-down alternative to their own crypto-Protestant liturgical innovations, which involve loads of gay blessings. Take away this confusing but flexible concession, and they'll simply do what the hell they like. So we're left with a global mess that calls into question the teaching authority of the Catholic Church, and does so in a way that will be especially recognisable to Anglicans, that is, things that are theologically acceptable in one part of the world are not theologically acceptable in another part of the world, leaving the impression that the whole concept of sin, or particular sins anyway, is culturally and geographically determined. Now, that's not a mess that any of the cardinals hoping to succeed Francis particularly want to inherit, but the important thing for some of them at least is that they do get elected pope. Francis is now 87 years old, and although probably mentally unimpaired for his age, is visibly running out of steam. He's been so obviously wrong footed by Fernandez's amateurish interventions on the ultra sensitive topic of homosexuality that it's beginning to look as if he's actually fallen on the third rail himself. And the response of the Pope's most senior lieutenants, a apart from Tuto, that is, is not to pluck him to safety, but rather to distance themselves from this pastoral train wreck. Cardinal Pietro Parolin, the long-serving Italian Secretary of State, has just drawn attention to the visions created by fiducia supplicants, thereby putting some distance between himself and his boss. Arthur Roach, the head of divine worship, has complained huffily that he wasn't consulted about the document. Now, the first of these men, Parolin, is genuinely Papabile, And that's a difficult thing to have to acknowledge, given Parolin's role in setting up the diabolical Vatican deal with Beijing. The second of these men, Uncle Arthur, thinks he's papabile, and that would be equally appalling if he wasn't so widely despised for his Cromwellian crusade against the Latin mass. But my point is that a number of ambitious cardinals, and quite a few others, would rather inherit an appalling mess than not inherit the throne of Peter at all. And it's dawning on them that the greater the distance they can place between themselves and a pontificate notorious for its theological miscalculations and protection of sex abusers, the better. The extraordinary backlash against Tuccio's tentative gay blessings shows that there's no chance whatsoever of a Francis continuity candidate walking out onto the balcony of St Peter's. So watch out for some very interesting manoeuvres over the next few months. As I think, irrespective of the Pope's state of health, power drains away from his office. And watch out for some fairly desperate attempts by the old Pope's media propagandists to work out which way the wind is blowing. But I think the look of panic on their faces gives us some idea. It's blowing away from Francis. Oh, and there's been one last surreal twist in the plot of this grubby farce. Cardinal Fernandez has just announced that his office is working on a very important new document – on the subject of, I'm trying to keep a straight face, human dignity.